How's it going, travelers? Welcome to Fantastical Faith, the podcast where I get a bunch of geeks together and try and find the little nuggets of truth within the realm of fiction. As always, I'm your host, Mike Atassi. Have your choices ever been responsible for an entire underground society of monsters? Probably not, but our choices still have value. What does the hit game Undertale teach us about our decisions affecting our lives and the lives of those around us? As always, spoilers ahead. Today, I'm joined by my special guests, Ty Henson. Hello. And Corinne Lowe. Would you guys Hi. Like to introduce yourselves for everybody? Hi, I'm Ty. I'm a uh, psych student at Anderson University, technically my senior year. Let's go. Woo! And one thing you should know about me, I'm a huge nerd. Let's go. About both Jesus and other nerdy stuff. So. <laughs> Let's go. Love me some comic books. Love me some Jesus. Let's go. Add them <laughs> together. Hi, I'm Corinne. Uh, I am a junior, currently psychology major, but my main thing is I want to write children's books, so that might change soon. Um, I'm also a nerd in many different things. I have ADHD, so I have like a gazillion different hobbies that I'm relatively good at. Hi, Micah. Hi, oh, Micah. I'm also a massive nerd, and I love Jesus, which is which is why I created Woo! this podcast. We're going to be talking about Undertale, and uh, which I think is a game that all of us have played. Yes. And dove. I feel like we all maybe did. You, did y'all have an Undertale phase? Like my Undertale phase is very recent. I watched a playthrough whenever I was younger, but like I didn't have access to my own gaming system, so I like really got into it in college yeah so i got really into undertale uh just because i had always wanted to play it and then i convinced my now girlfriend to play it and that is how we started dating Woo! <laughs> um i had i had a bit of an undertale phase in middle school but i didn't have access to any consoles to play it so all i would really do is watch gameplay um, I still do that for games that I can't play because all I have is a Switch. But yeah, I had a, I had a big Undertale phase. Um, and I still play it on occasion. I've beaten two of the endings, and I have no desire to beat the third because A, it's hard, and it's sad. So uh, before we go any further, though, I, do, I did want to ask you guys two questions. First one is being, and this is something I ask everybody who comes on the show, what is something that draws you to fiction and fantasy as a genre? Uh, I just love the creativity that comes from fiction and fantasy as a genre. Like, there are so many things that can happen in fantasy or fiction that can't happen in the real world. And I also think on top of that, with all of the things you can do that you can't do with fiction, uh, with nonfiction, you can lead to some really cool metaphors in fantasy and fiction about real-world things and making them interesting. Um, so that's one thing that really draws me to fantasy. And you know, who doesn't like really cool swords and really cool dragons sometimes, you know? Yeah. Um, for me, um, what always drew me to fiction and fantasy, specifically in reading growing up, was the kind of es escape aspect of it. Um, I both was able to like dive into these worlds and completely leave behind any sort of problems that I was experiencing in my own life. Um, but then also see myself in these characters and grow and in be inspired to be more like them. So like, you know, you have like Eowyn and Lord of the Rings and like, I personally love fairy tale retellings. Those are my favorite because you have the escape aspect, but you also have the familiarity of the fairy tale. So you know in general how it's going to end, but I really enjoyed seeing 
kind of like what Ty was talking about, the possibilities of what could be. Uh, and then my second question is, what has been the most influential piece of media in your life and why? Man, I just got to say, this is probably a strange one, especially because I'm not as big into it as I was. But thinking about how it got me into everything else going forward, I got to say Power Rangers, man. <laughs> Dude, if you guys don't know what Power Rangers is, it's basically based off of the Japanese show Super Sentai, but it's uh, basically Americanized version of that. So the reason I bring that up is because I got really big into a lot of Japanese culture and a lot of anime. And I think the reason why I was so accepting of it was because I saw it through Power Rangers. And also, Power Rangers is just like guys fighting monsters with some cool, powerful themes behind it sometimes, occasionally, mostly in the earlier seasons. But yeah, I've watched almost all of the Power Rangers series, and they are all great and highly recommend it. I'm going to give a cop-out answer and say, how dare you make a nerd decide what their either favorite book or movie is? Hey, you can go with multiple. I know um, how hard this question is to answer. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, because for me, books, there's been so many. My mom brought me to the library a lot as a kid, and that was just super influential for me to just be able to, I would be like that kid that would get like the huge stack of books and be like, mom, can I have all of them? And then I could, and I could read them all to my heart's content. And um, there was a lot of influence that happened. Like I was saying, like finding the stories with um, strong female characters and being able to identify with those both in the kind of like, you know, being a helpless romantic, but then also the girls that can fight with swords. And that's really cool. The main one is just in general comic books. Um, my siblings, my sister and I would want to watch like Barbie and then my brothers would want to watch like all these random scary nature documentaries. And so superheroes was always the one thing we could agree on as kids. And so we were like, heck yeah, we can watch Justice League or we can watch an Avengers show or all these things. So like I definitely say superheroes and comic books, DC and Marvel, even though that's really broad, those would be the most influential for me. Dude, and just like thinking Justice League Unlimited. Heck yeah. What Such a, a show. show. What a good show. I'm in the process of watching the first Justice so League run. Good. Oh my gosh. Um, and so then I'm going to watch Justice League Unlimited. Ju oh my gosh. The first two, side tangent, the first two episodes of Justice League, freaking terrifying. Scared me as a child. But awesome show. 100% recommend it. I love Batman and Justice League Unlimited. He's such Batman's a just great. It's it's why I love comics is Justice League Unlimited, mm. and I highly recommend the show to everyone. So let's dive in a little bit to Undertale. Uh, what I mainly wanted to dive into was um, the endings because there are a lot, but um, <laughs> but uh, the main like there's three main like there's the three main endings um, that I wanted to talk about and. Really, I wanted to relate it back to the concept of choice and how our choices affect others around us. Um, so just like looking at those common themes and seeing different ways we could we can uh, relate it back to the faith and our Christian walks. So Undertale is a is a role playing game created back in twenty fifteen. Yeah, was it by, by a man named Toby Fox. Yes, Woo! we love him here with the baller soundtrack. Um, yeah, he also wrote his own soundtrack, and it was. It's fire. It's all on. It's all on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever. So whatever you listen to, I personally use Spotify because it's superior. Apple Music people. Um, Woo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's a role playing game where um, it takes a lot of inspiration from Earthbound. Um, I'd say is what a lot of people compare it to. 
But if you don't know what Earthbound is, another good RPG you guys should go check out. Uh, but Undertale is basically, it follows the story of this uh, little kid who climbs a mountain by himself and then falls into a hole, which leads him to this whole underground world where he's uncovering all these secrets about how they're, like how there are a bunch of monsters down there, how the monsters got there, and also there's like a big theological thing about, well, not theological, I'd say philosophical undertone, <laughs> undertone, <laughs> about like just all the decisions you have to make uh, regard throughout the game regarding uh, which characters you can kill and which characters you can spare, because you you can you can kill anything, but you can also befriend anything. So you get to pick and choose what happens, and the game will be, and the game's ending will be altered depending on what you choose to do. So, uh, so we're gonna go into the neutral route first. So the neutral route ta- is basically, uh, you kill some things or you choose to spare other things. So this is the one route that I've actually played through myself. I've watched playthroughs of all three. So I remember like trying to spare all the things because a lot of the monsters like looked cute and innocent and all these things but then eventually like this is going to sound terrible eventually I would just be like they're all just in my way and I just want to get them out of my way and then you know at the very end there's this very big moment where there's the the big villain of the game and I, I killed him real quick because I wanted justice um but I guess that's something that we can discuss um because, you know, he's a bad guy, so I should be able to kill him, right? Yeah, I think there's this really neat idea in this neutral route where in the other routes, you're pretty much stuck to, I'm going to spare everyone or I'm going to kill everyone. But in the neutral route, you're basically choosing and picking who dies and who doesn't. And um, I don't know, I think that's a... Really interesting idea, especially when like we look at it in reference to scripture. And one thing that I specifically like, had written down before this is this idea of judgment and how we're able to, uh, like, if we have the right to pass that onto other people, right? So I very specifically uh, was thought to uh, Romans 2, uh, 1 through 3, uh, and we might read some more of it uh, if I start thinking about it more. But, uh, yeah, I'll just go ahead and read it for y'all. The uh, title of this passage is called God's Righteous Judgment. So be prepared. Uh, Therefore, every one of you who judges is without excuse. For when you judge another, you condemn yourself, since you, the judge, do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment on those who do such things is based on the truth. Do you think any one of you who judges those who do such things yet do the same that you will escape God's judgment? I don't know. I think that's yeah, what do what do you guys think about that yeah, in comparison? I think that's kind of neat because like throughout the game you're given the choice to at any point cuz th- there are like there are several characters who are very self-aware of like the fact that they're in a video game. Mm-hmm. And what you have essentially been able to do is like you're placed in the in the shoes of a character who has a god complex almost. Right. Yes. Cuz you're able to reset the game whenever you want mm-hmm. and change the ending whenever you want. And like the game remembers that. The game remembers every save file that you do. Right. <laughs> and and like there's cuz there's like character dialogue. Mm-hmm. And I I think was it in I think it's in the neutral route or maybe it's somewhere else 
where like a character essentially like straight up tells you like you've been given the ability to play God. Yeah. Uh, I think that's at the end of every single route. Yeah. Sans comes up to you and he basically judges you for what you've done. Yeah. And he explains to you that you have the power to save. And I think Flowey even does that in the end of his final boss fight. Interesting stuff. And I even think like going on specifically with Flowey in this, you could even bring it up to who are you to judge Flowey at this point? Like you've done the same thing Flowey's done. Like, we we know from the lore that before you came, Flowey had free reign of everything that happened in the underground, and he would deliberately save and reset and save and reset over and over again to try to get what he wanted. Um, you find that out more in the pacifist run. Oh, okay. Um, I was about to say, I don't remember that happening. Yeah. yeah. I remember it happening I at the end of the neutral because, of, yeah. you know, he becomes... Yeah, Omega Flowey and basically gets that ability. Yeah, and like the thing I think of is who are you to want righteous judgment on Flowey in the neutral route when you have deliberately killed many people? Like I guarantee you, so many of us probably killed um, a few people at the very beginning, if not killed Undyne because we had no idea what we were doing. (laughs) So I don't know. I remember, this is something that I'll never forget. I remember there were some army vets who came to my school whenever I was younger. And I remember, I think I was in only in ninth grade, but I looked at them and I straight up said, the Bible says not to kill. Have you, so is what you do okay? And they looked at me and they said, there was this one guy, he very was very quick to speak, but he said, um, well, there's a difference between killing and murdering. In the Bible, it says murdering is wrong, but you know, God sends Israelites into war um, you know, the thing that immediately popped into my head was in, in Ecclesiastes, a time to kill and a time to heal. Um, and I think here it's kind of, at least from my perspective, whenever I was playing the game, you are playing God, but you're also kind of just a kid that's trying to leave. And there's this evil flower who's been attacking you this whole time. Like if you just left him alone, who's to say he wouldn't try and kill you later. So for me, it's almost like self-defense, I guess. And so you wondered there, yes, there were certainly times where I just kind of like didn't know how to not kill them. And also, you know, you randomly run into a lot of these enemies. So it's not like you're just going about your day and going, where's something I can kill? You're standing there trying to get your way out of this underground. And then there are all these monsters that show up and are like, I'm going to try and kill you. And not all of them say that, but like some of them do. And so it's kind of like what, what are you supposed to do? Like, I guess, where is the line between um, murder and self-defense there? I think it's also just crazy that the fact that you still have the ability to go back and, like, despite trying to fix whatever you whatever you did in the last one or, like, make up for whatever you did, like, you can't. I don't know. The game will shame you. Exactly. Yeah, I remember, like, opening it up because I, I killed Flowey in the first time, like I've said, and I opened it, and I was trying to do a pacifist route the second time, and, like, usually Flowey's in the intro, and I remember opening the game, and he, like, wasn't there, and I, I remember asking Ty, I think, and I was like, Ty, like, what the heck? And he's like, oh, you can't go back, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? <laughs> okay, uh, let's go into the pacifist route next because I feel like genocide, we can have some very fun conversation about that i'm so ready for the genocide um let's go pacifist (laughs) right now uh yeah but pacifist i mean that would be probably the second hardest one to beat 
I'd say. Oh, yeah. For sure. Um, but I feel like the ending is like so worth it to go through oh. all that. Oh, all yes. The, all that pain. The True Lab. Oh, oh my lab. gosh. I hated the True Lab so much. It's so terrifying. I forgot what that was. <laughs> I don't think you've done it yet. I've watched, I've watched a pacifist playthrough. But okay. I haven't done it myself because it, whenever I've done it myself, it's easier to remember everything. The true lab is one of the things you have to do if you want to get the true pacifist ending. Because I thought, oh wait, is that when he goes back and he like sees the different plants and animal experiment things? Yes. Oh yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. That part. So because originally I went through the game, my first playthrough was a neutral route that I played as a pacifist route. Oh yeah, and I still got the neutral ending, so I was super confused. And then I went back, and I was like, "Oh wait, True Lab, I forgot about that." Mm. Well, no, 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 you don't get access to the True Lab until you finish a neutral route. Really? You can get a false pacifist ending, but you can't get a true pacifist ending. I did not know that. Yeah. Huh. Asgore always dies. Spoiler alert. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the neutral route. And here's my thing: what I love about the pacifist route is not only does it give you a chance to spare everyone and you gain all these friendships along the way and you like it's literally just like power of friendship in a game right but also like just the fact that at the very end of the game flowey realizes what he's done is wrong and he's so apologetic of it like at the end you realize he's just a kid like He's just a kid. Like, he didn't know what he was doing. Like, he didn't have the capacity to understand that he shouldn't be living the way he is. And I just... It's it's beautiful. Yeah. And you see the way that he's repentant of it. And, you know, I just think it's great. I think it's great. And at the end, he literally begs you not to change the game after you complete the pacifist ending. It's... It's beautiful. It's one of my favorite video game endings ever. Like, I would play through Undertale again just to hug uh, Asriel, which is the name of Flowey. But also, it's, like, really flipping difficult. Like, I, like, remember... I, w- I remember whenever I first tried to play, like, Flowey was the only one that I was like, you've been annoying me this whole game. It's It's the end for you, brother. But, like, everybody else, I was very much like... Dude, like, these characters are so fun. Like, why would I ever do anything? Like, you have redeemable qualities. Yeah, but but it also, the game makes it very, very difficult. You have to know the certain strategies in order to spare them. It's not like you're just, here's a person, live or die, you know? Like, if, if you're going to kill them or if you're going to spare them, you have to, like, make an effort to do both of those things. And so I think that that's, like, a big thing is, like, the fact that you have to put in the effort to do that it's not just a flippant decision that you have to make like if you're going to do a pacifist route or whatever like you have to sit down and be like oh no i'm not going to kill them at all like i'm not going to give in to the desire to just like i don't want to deal with this anymore i want to move on with the game and all this stuff so well because then it's cool because you also from like a creative standpoint you get to see all the love and care that toby actually put into the game because he made he made all these characters have personalities and he gave you ways to relate to these characters and then, you know, just do your thing. So I think that's I think that's pretty cool. Especially with characters who when when you first meet them, like they are out to kill you. Like Undyne, like she the she see she sees you 
it's on site. She starts throwing spears and everything, and it's, it's just wild. If you take the time to really figure out, like, why. Like, she's just following orders, and she's trying to get, like, she's fighting for her people. She's doing what a lot of a lot of the monsters in the underground wouldn't do. Yeah. And I think there's also this beautiful idea of, like, we see being able to care for people different from you. Because Undyne is terrifying when you first meet her. But then eventually Papyrus forces you to befriend her in the <laughs> true pacifist route. And really, that's where you're... Undyne gets to see, hey, just because you're a human doesn't make you evil, right? And you get to see that, oh, she's actually a good person. She can't cook, but she's a good person, <laughs> right? And I, I don't know. I think there's a lot uh, – there's a deeper philosophical study you could do on that about, um, like, accepting other people. But – and like, I'm sure there's a YouTube video out there. You know what? You should watch that after you listen to this podcast. I will say, like, one of my favorite parts of the game is how deep and philosophical it is, but then also how humorous it is. And, you know, you have characters like Sans, especially, who, like, are there to make it, like, sprinkle in all the humor so that you nearly miss the super deep concept at play. And you have, like, the dino kid and stuff. So, like, right after you get, like, this really intense battle, in intense battle, you have this kid like falling on his face and being like, she's so cool. Oh my gosh. I'd argue that Sans is like one of the deepest characters or in the game because he's one of the only self-aware characters. Because I think he's one only out of the two main characters that breaks the fourth wall. Yeah, there's Sans and then there's Flowey. It's great. Actually, Asgore does at one point, if you talk to him after he kills you, you say, this is the first, This you've already killed me once before and he keeps going like twice before and it says uh asgore nods solemnly like there's so many details like it's absolutely insane like even asgore himself is a character like going back to what i was saying about undyne like he's just a he's just a, a leader who just wants his people to be free like oh, yeah. all this bad crap happened to him and he's just a he's just a guy who's grieving in all the wrong ways oh yeah great motive still murder yeah. As Jake Peralta once said. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I like, I think back to, I know when we were talking about getting ready for this episode for the pacifist route, you were thinking about this whole idea of like who deserves to be spared. I think that goes a lot along the lines of like what we were discussing with the neutral route of like who deserves to die. And I think, I mean, man, I think back to, let me make sure I get the correct citation here. Like Romans 3.23, right? I'm pretty sure we all know this one. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So I think the beauty is none of us really deserve to be spared. So I, like, I think part of the things we've been talking about have kind of talked about like at what point are they responsible? Because you, know, you were talking about how Flowey doesn't have the capacity to realize what he's doing is wrong. And it finally takes this emotional wave of people from you going the pacifist route for him to realize that about himself but it's kind of like at what point are we saying yeah they fully understand what they're doing and are doing it anyway really the big point that i'm trying to get across here is that all of us don't deserve to be spared like if we go back to the neutral idea all of us deserve death if you know what i mean all of us are in open rebellion of god just like 
almost every single enemy in Undertale is trying to kill us, right? So we don't deserve to be spared, but I think the beauty of it is that uh, Jesus still came down to die for our sins to allow us to be spared. You know what I mean? I think that's the great thing with that. And, like, honestly, like, we see other places in the Bible, like what you were talking about, about how um, a lot of us, like, it's just, we don't even think about it. We just live in sin. And that's part of, like, we didn't understand before we came to Christ just how corrupt we were. Yeah, I think you're completely right in saying that. It's just interesting because, like, when you're when you're creating a story like this, you can't create perfect characters because we can't relate to a perfect character because we aren't we aren't perfect. Um, which is weird now that I think about it because how the Bible's written and how it portrays Jesus is perfect, and we can't relate to that. Whoa, hang on. I mean, we can relate to him in the fact that he came as a man, um, fully God and fully man, but he is also um, who we are striving to be. And so I think when you're playing the game, you have to go in thinking, what kind of person am I trying to be within this playthrough? Am I deciding to just go wherever my emotions take me? Or am I deciding to take a stand and say, no, all these people want to kill me, but I'm just trying to get out of here. I'm not trying to kill anyone. So I'm going to make an effort to not kill anyone. I'm going to make an effort to spare everyone. Like there are so many times where I've watched movies, read books, you know, played video games where I'm like, you just need Jesus. You need <laughs> Jesus so bad. But you know, like they're like in the world of Undertale, Jesus doesn't exist. And that's so, so sad, but it's true. A lot of problems will be fixed in Undertale if Jesus was present. Yes. <laughs> also, a lot of problems in uh, Undertale could have been solved with communication. A lot of problems in real life can be solved by Jesus and communication. Jesus and communication are all that all that you need. Don't even get me started on uh, what I feel about communication because I will not stop. <laughs> I mean, you can just communicate anyway. So you like, can. Why do you, why do you need to you make? You can, it? but a lot of people don't know how to communicate. Yeah, like Toriel. Like Toriel, they need to go to relationship therapy. But we, but we, the, that's why we were majoring in like the therapy major. No, that's why Sans exists. Sans was Toriel's therapy, if you really think about it. That's actually very true. But, you know, I think I think the really cool thing about Toriel's story is the fact that you get a realistic depiction of what the death of a child does to a family. Oh, Ooh. so true. Oh, my gosh. Like, That's this, true. like this game true. is hilarious. This game is awesome. But this game, if you actually start to think about it for, like, more than two seconds, is, like, really deep. And, like, I mean, shout out to Toby Fox. Toby Fox, if you ever listen to this, I mean, like, hit me up. I mean, like. <laughs> all right. Um, I think that's all we got on. We've already, like, we've already passed pacifist. Yeah. <laughs> pacifist oh, across yeah. your face. Um, What? Do you so, mean the genocide route? Yeah. <gasps> Whoa. Wow, what, a, what a transition. Anger. I actually didn't. Death. Mean, I didn't actually mean to do that. That was actually a really good transition. So, so thanks for catching that, Ty. I got you. Listen. Don't be for that one. This is why I invited you guys on here. Maybe I should be a communications major. Yeah, I mean, but we don't need the major in order to communicate well. That's true. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Anyway, genocide. Okay. Um, So, yeah, uh, death and all that. Um, The main thing, one one thing I wanted to dive into about, like, how the game, like, it punishes you for this ending. Like, the game is permanently changed once you beat this ending. Um, Because you literally have to go through 
every you have to kill literally everything. Like walk around until you get random encounters and then die and then you kill everything. And then until you get no more random encounters. Yeah, and it'll doesn't it say something like there's no one else or it nobody said, came? Nobody came. Just like the like the implications of that. Of like of course, you know, it's wrong to wrong to murder people. Yeah. Well, um, there's also like going into more detail with what you're saying, how it punishes you, like actively punishes you. It actively punishes you for the rest of the time you have that game. Like the game, no matter if you start a new save file, no matter what you do, you can never, ever get a true pacifist route win ever again. And if you do, it's corrupted. It's Because um, the, there's like the ending yeah. where, you, where Toriel brings you the slice of pie yeah. and yeah. then you flip in your bed and your eyes are red. Or if you do the other one where um, you do the one where you go home and you get the postcard with everyone's picture, all of their faces are X'd out. So no matter what you do, it'll remind you that you're still the same person who was willing to kill all of them. That's wild. I didn't actually, I didn't know that one. I didn't know that one either. I don't think, whenever I watched the genocide route, they didn't go back through everything they just immediately and the sad thing is is that the video ended with them going i feel like a terrible person i'm immediately restarting this game and i'm gonna do the pacifist route again like without them knowing that it permanently changed their save file plus aren't you given the option to like literally just destroy the world at yeah. the end of the genocide and route? if you do you don't start another saved file until like you have to wait 10 minutes in game time to be able to fix your mistake. And even if you do, you can't really truly fix it. It's like that uh it's like that analogy of like time travel and like the broken what? cup. Okay, so there was a <laughs> so, <laughs> can't No, no, say sorry. Time travel broken sorry. cup. Sorry. No, 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 no. cuz there was a there was this scene in the Flash TV show. There was this one point where he travels back in time to save his mom or something. Meets another speedster who's already gone back in time and switch and like and like tried to fix something in the past and then realized it was a mistake and then went back to change it. So he's talking about how he uses the analogy of a cup and like how the time is like a ceramic cup. You can and when the cup breaks, you can try to like fit it all back together and you like you can glue it, do whatever, but that crack is still gonna be there. Like the permanence of what you what you did to the timeline is still going to be, you know, evident on the cup. And I think it's similar with this because basically you're just setting, you're basically stuck in a time loop because you, that, a time loop that you yourself control. You're like Dr. Stranging yourself back to the beginning so you can find out what a different, this different ending is. And I think one thing that we have talked about before um, is kind of like the intent there, you know, like, same with the pacifist route, like, but especially pacifist route, you just kind of anyone that you encounter, you spare, right? But like genocide, you have to go specifically to make sure that you've killed everyone. And I think that's something so much before too, like we were talking with the neutral route where it's like people that you kind of just stumble upon, like with the genocide route, you have to actually like go find, kill, like it's del- yeah, it's very, very deliberate. And I think that that's something to take into account here is is that like, you know, how much more wrong that is. I don't know how to a better, more intelligent way to say that, but yeah, I think just going back to the uh, the good old 
idea that you had posed at the very beginning of this conversation of, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's almost like, do bad people deserve forgiveness? Yeah. Kind of like that. And so, like, I'm going to try to connect this back to the Bible if I can. Because I had, yeah, I had an idea for that. I was thinking, uh, what, I, what I have here is Proverbs uh, 28, 13, um, which... As always, I'm going to recommend that uh, you look up these verses for yourselves, listener, and read the context and try to understand that. Uh, context is very key when you're studying the Bible, and um, I don't. I want to make sure that everybody takes things in context because things are very easily taken out of context. Um, uh, so, but Proverbs 13, uh, 28, 13 says, "Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy." I feel like it's also kind of a weird contrast because the game doesn't show you mercy if you do the genocide route. It's kind of a, it kind of sucks when you think about it because your character is irredeemable if you do, yep. if you do a genocide route. Do you want me to be real with you for a second? Yeah. I don't think most people would grant you mercy if you did something equally as heinous in real life. Well, yeah, obviously, and no, like, <laughs> like, like killing uh, off an entire people group just because they're different from you. Yeah, or like, I even think about like you can do things to people that you profoundly regret, but for a lot of people, and like sometimes for very good reason, like you're not going to get forgiveness or mercy for it. But I think that's what's like so beautiful about Jesus's forgiveness is that he can truly wash away our sins and he can truly forgive us, right? Um, and like what I had written down for this um, was 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 15. Actually, I'm probably going to read uh, through 17. It says this, I give thanks to Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me, because he considered me faithful, appointing me to the ministry. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an arrogant man, but I received mercy because I acted out of ignorance and unbelief. Uh, that's kind of like what we talked about earlier with Flowey, right? Uh, and the grace of our Lord overflowed, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. But I received mercy for this reason, so that in me, the worst of them, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's let's look at Paul for a second. Like, if you don't know, Paul's the one writing this um, to his son in the faith, uh, Timothy. And what he's saying is, "Hey, I killed a bunch of Christians. Like, I blasphemed God. I persecuted the church, and I was all so full of myself in like the biggest way possible. But God chose." to grant me forgiveness for that. And I think the beautiful thing here is Paul acknowledges this and he acknowledges his sin and he still actively turns from that. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst. Like he acknowledges 
the like reality of what he did, like that sticks with him. But he received mercy from Christ, and because he received that mercy, he's going to go out and glorify God. Um, and because he was shown mercy of that, he's almost showing God's mercy and grace and glory even more, you know? So I think one thing to consider, though, is um, especially when we were talking about, well, Jesus is in an undertale. Um, no matter what, sins have earthly consequences. Um, you know, he can't bring back all the Christians he killed. Um, we can be forgiven by God, but we have hope because we have a life after this one. But, you know, in undertale, like we were talking about, you're stuck in a time loop. You know, I think about Paul going to heaven and meeting all the Christians he killed. Like, in heaven... From what I've read in the Bible, you know, that wouldn't be a problem because they're both focusing more on being in the presence of God than any ills that anyone might have done in their past. But, you know, when you think about Undertale, there's no Jesus, there's no forgiveness. You're facing these people that you've killed before. And and I feel like that's something so jarring. Well, I also think, like, there is still the very real fact that our sins have consequences and God doesn't necessarily save us from those consequences. It would almost be wrong of him to save us from said consequences. Like Paul, because of what he did, went years, years of his life where the church didn't trust him, where people thought that he was still the same old Paul that he was. Um, And that hurt his ministry for the first few years. Uh, then eventually he turned into the church planting Paul that we know today. But to start with, that was a stain on his record, and I'm sure it's still kept with him that entire time, you know? But, like, our sins have consequences. Um, and though we get forgiveness from God, we have to accept the uh, consequences of our own actions. Um, and I think, like, Undertale shows that very well. It might not show the forgiveness aspect, but it gives us this idea of our actions have consequences, and sometimes those consequences can't be changed. The last thing is more of just like a general question about the game as well. Why do you think they chose the word determination? Because the word determination is such a prominent thing in in the game itself. Because whenever you die... It'll be like game over, and then you'll have, and then you'll have a little piece of dialogue that just says, "Oh, don't give up. Stay determined." When you get to a save point, you're filled with determination, which, like gameplay-wise, doesn't just have like a philosophical thing. Uh, also, lore-wise, determination is like a power source that humans have. But I mean, like, still the idea of like, what is the importance of choosing determination for it, right? So I think Corinne has an idea on that. So I'm going to let her speak. I do. Um, And it's something, part of this was something I thought of before. And part of this was something I just thought of right now. So, um, but basically one of the things that we've been, that's been kind of connecting dots for me is how we've been talking about making conscious choices. Determination, because you're having to make very conscious choices, like especially when you're going pacifist or genocide route, you're having to specifically set out to do these things. And it's something that Flowey specifically seeks after. And if you think about the end of the game, he's finally able to recognize that what he did was wrong. Maybe that's because he gained back the determination in order to determine 
what was and what's not right to determine what the next step forward should be. And I don't know if that's me overthinking it, but I feel like especially calling determination a human trait and something that the monsters don't have, I think that that's something notable to be said. Yeah, I think the big idea for determination is really this idea of like determined. Like I am determined to do something. So it's almost like this idea that as humans, we have this will in our lives that we are determined to not give up. And that's why when you're fighting Asriel in the true pacifist route, you die. You don't actually die. You stay determined. You have this will that brings you back to life. And so I think it's really this big idea of as humans we have the will and we have the strength to get up and to keep fighting no matter what that's something the monsters don't have no monster can fall down and get back up again no monster can pick themselves off of their feet and do more things until you help them and intervene right even if they try yeah because undyne tries and she just dies yes yeah and like like, that's the thing. Undyne can come back. Uh, she can pick herself up off of her feet for a few seconds, and then she's dead, right? She's, like, that's an inherently human trait in Undertale. And I think that says something for us, and I think that's kind of one way that one, th- one of the many things that I think distinguishes us from animals is our resistance to ever giving up i feel like it's also very easy for us as humans to be like become so obsessed with the indomitable human spirit and miss how often our spirits are dominated by sin because like ultimately we can't because we can't save ourselves when we we're gonna bring it back because like it it almost like in, in a sense like the true form of determination that we can find in ourselves in real life, is Jesus. So, like, bringing, that, bringing it back to that, because we're not the heroes of our story. Yeah, we're not um, even the main character. We, no, we're not, we don't, yeah, we're hardly even a side character. Um, I like to think I'm Washua. Washua? Oh. <laughs> That's my favorite side character in Undertale. I hard relate to Washua. Which one's that one? He's the little... Uh, the dino kid? Washua's the little guy you can encounter, and he's a washing machine, and he cries all the time, but he heals you. He's trying to clean you, and he's great. I personally relate most to the little, the little spooky ghost who's like... Napsablook? Yeah. Napsablook. Napsablook. Anyways, sorry. I got <laughs> off track. No, it's okay. No. I think that's all I got. So, And we're also running a little low on time. We're going to wrap this up. Um... Yeah, thanks you guys for doing this once again. I'm glad you guys Heck could yeah. help help out and yeah. party. Hey, Toby Fox, if you're listening, in the off chance you are, <laughs> hit me up. Hit me up. <laughs> but all no. you get to know is his first name. Good luck finding him. <laughs> Wait, no, you know what? Follow me at. <laughs> <laughs> Follow him on LinkedIn. Do you have a LinkedIn? No. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> thanks for listening, travelers. Make sure you drink enough water today. Hydrate or dihydrate, I always say. Thanks to Ty and Corinne for joining me today, and a shout out to Toby Fox for giving us a lot to talk about. As always, stay curious and stay fantastical.